0: This Podcast Movement 2022 audio session is brought to you by Supporting Cast, the best way to sell and deliver exclusive podcasts. And special thanks to PM22 virtual ticket presenting sponsor, Amazon Music.
1: Hi, everyone. Uh, Thank you for coming. I'm Fatima Zaidi, the founder and CEO of Quill, which is an award-winning branded podcast agency. And our company also owns CoHost, which is a podcast hosting and analytics tool for agencies and brands. We are sponsoring the growth track here at Podcast Movement. The next session is all about unlocking long-lasting audience growth strategies as well as uh, engagement, and those are usually generally the two biggest pain points for podcasters today. Uh, For this session, we've put together some of the best of the best for audience growth, uh, and I'm very excited for you to be tapping into tried and tested strategies. Uh, You'll be hearing today from uh, you can see that Jonas Woost is not Dan Meisner, um, but Dan Meisner unfortunately is unwell, and so Jonas kindly, his business partner, decided to step in. Uh, Jonas and Dan are both the founders of Bumper Agency, newly launched Bumper Agency, and they are both audience growth experts. Um, we also have Stephanie Andrews, who is co-host, director of product, uh, who will be um, joining us on stage today, uh, Jeremy Ends, who is the um founder of the Podcast Marketing Academy. And lastly, the session will be moderated by Brian Bartletta, who is the founder and partner of Sounds Profitable. Uh, A big thank you to our prizing sponsors for today. Uh, At the end of the session, we will be picking one winner randomly by your seat number, and you will get a one-year free subscription to Headliner, uh, which is an audiogram and video platform. And uh, that one-year subscription will really help boost your podcast marketing capabilities. So stick around till the end, and we'll make the announcement once the panel is over. Uh, And for now, I'm going to hand it over to Brian to kick off the session.
2: Thank you very much. Awesome. So this is going to be a really fun panel because we do have a bunch of really great experts on the stage about growth. And I think the more time I get to spend in the podcast space, if you look at it, if you look at job postings, if you look at uh, the conversations on pod news or in the space, growth is the next big thing. We spent a lot of time talking about it at Sounds Profitable, about churn, and about getting new listeners, and how sometimes they drop off. Uh, And I think that right now, that's the next thing we really have to crack. So I think we're gonna see a lot of budgets there, I think we're gonna see a lot of tech there, a lot of tools there, but right now it's the people. Because you'll find that those job requirements stay open. And I think the reason for that is that there are a lot of really great people, like the people on the stage, who have a lot to share, and want to share it, and it's time to learn that for more people to fill those roles. So, I'm gonna start off, we're just gonna go down the line, uh, and I really wanna ask, what tactics do you think are currently overlooked
0: in podcast growth?
2: And so, if you wanna introduce yourself a little bit, or?
0: Uh, Yeah, so, my name is Jeremy Enns, like uh, was mentioned, and I'm the founder of Podcast Marketing Academy. I also have an agency, Counterweight Creative, and do growth consulting uh, through that, as well as some production, kind of phasing that out right now to focus more on growth, as Brian has mentioned. That's kind of the big need right now, and I think that there's, also like Brian mentioned, not that many people doing. And so uh, one of the things when people talk to me about like getting involved in the podcast industry, like if you can learn marketing, there are so many opportunities, I think, for you these days. Um, so when it comes to overlooked strategies, I think the, the biggest one is all the kind of stuff that people don't want to do, which is really going like one-to-one with people, especially when you're early on, like if you have a big show, you're trying to get up to 100,000 downloads or something like that per episode or per month or whatever your kind of metrics are, you're looking for scalable marketing tactics, but when you're trying to get your first 100 or even 1,000 Like people listening to your show, you can get there on a one-to-one basis through non-scalable marketing and so that's more through making personal connections with people uh, on social media or through communities or at events or any of these things and I think people immediately jump in and they want to go through all these scalable marketing tactics like ads and and all the stuff that it seems like big shows and big companies are doing when that's actually the best strategy for a later stage and for you, your goal is to get early traction and to kind of even, even just validate your show early on where if you can get like those first 10 or 100 people who, you know, are really diehard fans of your show, like, that's when you know you can start ramping up into other kind of marketing strategies uh, and go from there. So I think a lot of people try to skip that step and want to go to the the big kind of tactics too early.
2: Yeah, I mean, two things there is the unfortunate part is that there will be people that will be like, absolutely come spend money with me right now because it's a business. Um, But I'd love all of you to think about this, right? Whether you're a podcast creator or uh, you're a podcast listener, I definitely have been in a podcast, like, top 100 or 1000 fans right interacting with them on twitter one-to-one relationships and uh and then i promote them constantly right you know like you got that show that you just can't shut up about and your friend's like yeah you've recommended it three times and i finally caved and now i love it too that's what you're talking about right
0: yeah that's exactly it and uh I, there's shows like that for me. I think about like Seth Godin's Akimbo show, which you know, this is like one, of his, you know, one of the godfathers of marketing, kind of one of his tactics as well. But I've, I've recommended that show and probably turned on dozens of people into listeners because I can't shut up about it. And I have like software tools, all these different things that you like recognize we all have those things, and our goal is to like make those initial connections early on with people that we get them doing that for us rather than looking at these big, scalable, kind of impersonal uh, marketing strategies. That's,
2: that is a great one, and Steph?
3: Yeah, I love that answer. I think that's awesome. Word of mouth is definitely the number one. I would say, honestly, the biggest thing that I see is no one starts with their content. And I think that's a really big thing. If you have shitty content, I'm sorry, I'm just going to say it, it's not (laughs) going to go anywhere. Like, it is amazing to me how many people just put out content and don't ask for feedback, and they don't talk to their audience. And I understand that podcasting can really feel like a one-way street, and that's great, I understand that. but you really need to focus on not understanding that it's a two-way street and that your audience is always there with you, right? So even if it's creating a small focus group of friends that are, you know, your target listener for this podcast, get them to listen to it. Get them to give you candid feedback. Tell, you know, tell you when they dropped off, the parts that they thought were boring, the segments that they want you to add, the topics that they want you to talk about. That's really important in growing your podcast because if your content is not great, then no one's going to continue to listen to it. No one's going to continue to tune back in. That's a huge part of building of that loyal
2: listener base that you are talking about. And that's cool. And there's a lot of tools that can help you with that. I mean, like the uh, Apple or Spotify Connect, right? The the Podcaster Connect, you can see drop off rate, right? Uh, You can absolutely tell when people are no longer listening. And tools like what you're building with co-hosts are going to allow you to do a lot of that stuff too. Mm -hmm. I I think that is really important. you can have a bad podcast and have fun with it, but you can't really get mad <laughs> if it's not growing. Uh, and, and finally. And it's definitely,
4: we don't call it a shitty podcast. For in front of our clients, we call it a product market fit. <laughs> <laughs> Which is basically the same thing. I, I'm Jonas. Um, I'm a co-founder of um, Bumper. Dan is the other co-founder. He might be watching right now. He is sick upstairs. So landed, got sick we launched two weeks ago so this is supposed to be our big launch week anyway sorry um, <laughs> this is Very exciting. Um, we work with uh, primarily with um, uh, what we call enterprise clients big podcasters often brands uh, to figure out how can they bro- grow grow their, their podcast grow their podcast success and one of the channels that is either overlooked or badly executed our own channels like you're a big brand and you have like you probably have a bunch of customers if you like a big big brand right or you have partners or you have employees, or you have distribution, whatever you have and, and being able to um, activate them in a way that actually makes a difference, that actually moves the needle, is surprisingly hard within these organizations. Maybe it's not that surprising. Lots of different teams, lots of different departments that don't really talk to each other. You know, there's two versions. There's, um, the, the, there's the client that doesn't want to do anything, they don't want to activate their, their channels that they already have. And then we have to help them to kind of make them understand, well, you have these email newsletters. You know, you might want to consider putting your podcast in there. And there's the, the client that says, like, oh, don't worry about it. We got it. We're going to put it up on LinkedIn, and we're going to send out one tweet. And, we're, you know, we have, like, 400,000 people on, on, on Twitter. So we're going to get lots of people. For those of you that use social media to promote a podcast, you know, like one tweet
2: is likely n- not moving the needle at all. So um, own channels would be my answer. Yeah, and, and, and that's actually a really interesting one because – the bigger the company gets and the more channels they have, the less connected they can be. The amount of, let's talk about wins for a second then on that and I mean places that have radio stations like broadcast channels or television or magazines or other entities and they, they put the QR code, they put more information out there to find it. They use their own network. Heck, even podcast networks, growing a new show, taking advantage of promos between all of your shows. These are all things that we we you know kind of skip past because you know, like Jeremy said, sometimes people are really interested in that well, how do I pay for it? <laughs> how much money can I spend today to grow that and that's not always the answer. So how can podcasts build engagement how can podcasts build engagement strategies with their listeners? We talked a little bit about what you're saying for one on one but let's let's talk a little bit. Like let's let's assume we're past that first hundred or a thousand fans. So how do you how do you do that? When you're past Twitter, when you can't respond to all your replies, or maybe you're not big enough on social media yet, but your
0: your downloads have outpaced you. How do you engage with them and how do you harness that? Yeah, I mean I think the big mistake most people make is by trying to be everywhere and trying to build community everywhere. And you can you know set up all your Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn accounts like that's the easy part but actually building community I think that that really requires like absolute focus on one platform where you're like this is where we're building community this is where engagement happens yeah we, we exist on all these other platforms if you want to be there but like we are you know engaging with our listeners primarily on Twitter or LinkedIn or wherever that is and I think like part of that is that each platform has its own kind of like language that people use how they talk about um, the different topics and like what types of posts do well there how people engage with each other there, and I think if you're trying to split your attention across all these platforms, you're just not doing any one of them well, and so I think, like, getting to know the vocabulary of a specific platform where you, like, are kind of, like, a, a platform native there, all of your content is intended for that platform, you actually get to know all of the people who are engaging with you there, and, like, that's where you start to kind of build those feedback loops where, like, people are regularly engaging with you there, you can actually monitor all of that, and I think, especially if you have a bigger show, you can't, like meaningfully engage with people on five or six or seven different platforms. And so I think like, start with one, build a really thriving community there, and then maybe expand outside of that. But uh, I, I would typically recommend like designating like, this is our engagement community platform where we show up most commonly, and also where we drive everybody to. So if you have, you know, you're on your calls to action in your podcast episode, like if you're saying like, send us a message, Anywhere and any kind of message, like that's just, just yell
2: into the woods. We'll hear you.
0: Yeah, the, the easiest way to get people to engage is to be so specific that they can't think of like a reason not to do it. Like, they know how to engage with you, they know exactly where to engage with you. So if it's like send me a, a DM on Twitter about this specific thing from this episode, if you had an experience that matches up with this. Somebody who they, you know, they get a ping, they're like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what I'm gonna say. I don't have to think about this at all. I just send it there, I know where to go. Like, that's the, the better way to do it than to just like, put out blanket statements or try to be everywhere and build community on all these different platforms, I would say.
2: I, I think that's good. And uh, as someone who's tried their content, podcast ad tech content on TikTok doesn't work very well. Uh, so don't feel bad about abandoning a channel. like If you are not going to do that, if someone on your team can't do that, if it doesn't stick, uh, just don't stick with it just because everyone's like saying TikTok's hot, YouTube's hot. Like, go with your guy, go where your community is and build it because if you don't want to be there, they're not going to want to be there with you.
0: Well, and just to add to that, I would even say there, a lot of times you hear that advice, go where your community is. And I've done that before and also it's been a platform that I didn't actually want to be on. And so I would say like any Out social platform, platform has like millions and millions and millions of users. Like your people are on every platform. So pick the one that you actually, you know, find energizing to show up on. Which and one can was tolerate.
2: it? Which platform?
0: For, well, for me, that's Twitter.
2: Oh. <laughs> Which we are all painfully on too much. Um, OK, Steph?
3: Yeah, I think I'm going to take a slightly different approach to that answer because I think you covered that really well. I think what's interesting about podcasting is that you can build community between listeners. So not just about you engaging with each individual listener and like trying to constantly moderate and get feedback. That's important, don't get me wrong. But I think the power and the scalability of it is when you can actually create a community when listeners are talking to other listeners about your podcast. For example, there is this, as I'm sure most of you know, there's the podcast Call Her Daddy one brilliant thing that she did was she talked about putting the hashtag daddy gang in your dating profile and so then people would see that and they'd be like oh you listen to this podcast I listen to this podcast and then they could start talking and relating to that and it's so brilliant because dating apps like that was literally the what the podcast was about essentially right so that's really interesting because When people are talking about your podcast amongst each other they're going to spread the word right like exactly what you were saying when you have those like core 10 people that won't shut up about your podcast they're going to grow and it's going to create a ripple effect so i think that's a really interesting growth strategy and to your point brian as well i think measurement also is really important when you're looking at building communities don't just do everything because you're going to burn yourself out that's way too much effort and no one is that passionate about every single social media platform that's that's too much talking to people. Um, <laughs> just look at what's working and measure it and have KPIs and say, okay, like Facebook is working really well, cool. I'm gonna focus on Facebook. That's where my audience is, you know what I mean? Be smart about your time and be smart about the effort that you're putting into things.
2: I, I like what you said with all that, especially because it sounded like you're allowing them to create a community that you don't have to be a part of. Yeah. Which. I mean, depending on the show, like, it can be a lot to be in your own community. <laughs> like it, the exactly. dynamics there, there's a lot of aspect to it, and so that mindset allows other people to have that conversation, to be in your fandom, to be in your, like, your tight-knit circle without you having to be the host, right? They, yeah. They're basically having their own mini parties with your, under your brand.
3: Well, similar to like when you think about a product, right? you think about power users. As In podcasting, we should be thinking about power listeners. Right? and creating those people who are going to come back to your show week after week and talk about it and spread the word and be really obsessed with the content that you're putting out.
2: And That's a great one. Jonas. Because now
4: it's been a while. The question was about engagement with users, right? Yeah. And you guys gave awesome answers, so <laughs> let me take it from a sort of, a, because we work with brands, I'm just going to go from that angle. We talk a lot to brands about um, Supporting content, other content that you might want to make that is still in the same universe as your as your podcast that that content could be tweets, it could be like blog posts, it could be a newsletter, it could be something like that, different points of engagement with your audience and build multiple of those, and not just think about it. Oh, I've got a podcast, and now I'm going to have a newsletter that's going to promote the podcast. I'm just going to make this up. It's fine. You can just have a newsletter that's just a newsletter by itself. It doesn't need to like lead to the podcast, right? Build these multiple touch points as a brand that is now. This is assuming there's some budget available, there's some resources where they can do multiple things at the same time, and build these multiple touch points with your audience, with your customers, and and, uh, and don't force them to having to engage
2: with you through the podcast. Yeah. I think uh, ooh, I'm really loud. <laughs> I think the thing that we're keying off of here is that like a lot of this is more than just building your content. Like you really can't just build a podcast, put it out there and be like let's hope somebody's looking for that exact title. But for a lot
4: of people I think you touched on that that, that was the strategy up until last year maybe. And I don't know about you, but I really felt a switch where the questions were a lot like, "Oh, I, I want a pod- we should have a podcast because it's a thing, and my competitor or my friend has a podcast, I want to do that too. That was sort of the thing I want, I want in. Yeah. But now I think a lot of individuals and, again, sort of our clients become a lot more sophisticated around, like, why a podcast? What problems does a podcast solve that can't be solved through a TV ad or whatever it is? And and that's a good thing, I think, that we have that more sophistication and almost that growing up. <laughs> uh, it, it, I find it's more fun because the, the, the questions, be, the, the problems become different and harder, and I think this is a good thing, when when, when the problems, because problems are not going away, right, that it's
2: changing, that it's becoming harder, it's becoming different, that's a good thing, that we're not always yeah. solving the same problem. Well, we're, I think we're in a post-podcasting has a discoverability problem world, like, it's it's a bad sentiment, right, like, people don't say that, oh, it's hard to find a good book, like, we don't have it, The the aggregators work, there's review sites, there's all these things, but, like, If you put a book out today and you don't market it and you don't get it in places, no one's gonna buy it. There's so many books out there, there's so much content. Podcast is like that, it's big enough now. The discoverability age of being able to make something and becoming a hit just because a few people found you because there are only a few options, it's over. And so now it's a business and now it's something you have to grow and you really can't luck into it. Uh, So this one was originally for Dan so I want to see your take on it, but uh, Jonas, it can be oft- it can often be difficult to get an accurate read on listener awareness and engagement. How can podcasters more easily measure these metrics? Um- I knew
4: you were going to ask a question. I was prepared, and I will punt the question over to uh, because I don't have a really good answer. I, mean, I can. We'll can... state the problem, and you can state, state the solution. Is that okay? Well, what we could do is, if Dan's here, you the, Dan text him, it, can text Jonas. I'll talk for two minutes and then send us. Um, we'll just
2: we'll delay for. So a few first start.
4: of all, I'm glad that in this topic we're talking about measurement because it's it's sort of growth without measurement It's sort of like. Fantasy or hoping or something right. This is like, well, we, if you we don't measure it, it's, it's, it's not there, right? We don't know that it's there. So measurement is obviously a key um, portion of all of this and as We all know there seems to be a very large I think the term that I've heard a lot fragmentation of data points There's a lot of awesome data out there about the podcast, right? This is like we're in a very fortunate position that we have so much data about our podcast and how they perform compared to other things like, like books, okay, you know I many sold what do people read, where did they read it, did they give it to someone else, did they share did they, often don't know, often in podcasting we can measure that kind of stuff. So it's very, very fortunate. But they're sort of everywhere, so you have to bring them all together. This is, I'm teeing this up for you, right? You know that, this is a question for you. There's tools that are being built that can maybe help, help sort of, you know, bring the data into one uh, place where you can see it all. And then you get interpreted. And that, so you have all the numbers, it's one thing, and then you have actionable stuff. Because data for data's sake, yeah, so you went up or you went down, Unless you know what to do with that data, it's kind of pointless, right? So this is me just stating the problem. There was no
2: solution that offered. <laughs> well, Over uh, to you, Steph. <laughs> no, but 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 I think you did state it really. You did state it really well. I mean, uh, I, I, like, me and you have talked about this a, a bunch. How people believe that there's not a lot of data in podcasting, and there's it's just not spoon fed to you. Like, it's not. Awesome that you have to go download it from Amazon and Spotify and Google and Apple and all that. It's not awesome that some hosting platforms have different data than others and it's harder to put it all together, but it's there. You can get in the raw logs, you can really dig into it and if you've given the breathing room to do it, you can do some amazing things with it. But it's it's just not, it's not Facebook level yet. It's not at that level where digital marketers are used to being able to say, I have a property, I put it in here, I pixeled it on my end, I spent money, the numbers go up and down, I delete the lines that don't work and move from there, it's a bit, more manual today, but it feels like it's moving away from that, because I think we need, we, we've all yelled loudly enough about it that we want products for it.
4: And, and I think you knew that what I was trying to say. You have all the numbers, get all the numbers, and, and, and learn from them, really look at them, you know, talk to the right people, and have a really good handle on what those numbers that you're getting, why is my completion rate here lower than there? Or what, why is this episode performing poorly compared to this one? Or why is that particular marketing initiative worked so much better than the other ones, and, and plan your next steps, plan your campaigns, plan your strategy with that data. It's not easy necessarily, but it's sort of if you want to grow,
2: right, sort of becomes part of the job. Yeah. Well, Steph, I mean, this is a lot of what co hosts is. <laughs> yeah. Get that right there, but uh, that's, I mean, that's what's really cool. About it. We've had a chance to work together really closely on this yeah. stuff, and like, that problem taking that data and doing something with it is not easy. So yeah. how did you approach that with (laughs) co-hosts.
3: That's a good question. Well, I started as a producer, right? So I did not start in tech. I started trying to produce shows, and I like to look at analytics. I'm a nerd when it comes to analytics and content, and I really wanted to use that to inform our production decisions. And when you're working with Fortune 500 brands, they like to be informed of their data, and they like to be informed of, you know, who their audience is. And I found it very challenging personally to be able to put that all together. And you're right, like, you, all the data is available. Like, you can log in here 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 but there's nowhere that was consolidated so the first thing that we did with co-host was the approach was just consolidate and unify the data that's number one and then from there once we have that unified then you can take that data and you can start manipulating it and start finding out new metrics like new listeners or loyal listeners or you know maybe unifying topics together to understand oh like does this topic bring in x new listeners or tracking links you know like which um, promotional tactics are bringing in the most downloads so I know where to focus my energy on. So it's that kind of thing. I think it's just about, at this point, consolidating it all into one place so then we have somewhere that can actually provide those insights. Because if the data is not consolidated, you can't draw an insight from it, right? Because you're not getting the full picture.
2: That's very true. And, and Jeremy, like, on your end, having done so much production work on all of that, and you do a lot of education, yeah. too, um, it feels like there's a lot the, the people that are out there saying like we don't have the right metrics and like getting you to throw it away, like how do we combat against that? Like how do we how do we educate through that? How how should people be uh, listening to those people or taking should they ignore them? Should they take it with a grain of salt or like
0: Yeah, I mean I would say that there's an perhaps over reliance on kind of quantitative data and people don't look at a lot of the qualitative data that's available. So like a lot of people that I work with, especially in I mean this is you can do this at the enterprise level too and you actually have a lot more touch points and it's kind of to Jonas's point before about not making use of their kind of existing platforms. Um, But through surveys and things like that, if you have a product or service and you can say, like, have you engaged with, you know, our newsletter, our podcast, or, you know, where did you discover us? And like, that's all, you're kind of, building that quantitative data through kind of more anecdotal means sometimes or through surveys and forms and all that kind of stuff that you can set up yourself uh, but the, the you know Spotify or Apple podcast they're not going to give that to you but it's actually more valuable in those cases a lot of times when maybe they're making a purchase and so like that's probably why you're starting the podcast in the first place and so if you can trace that back to purchase like the podcast platforms are never going to show you that so you can use your own internal kind of data collection systems and so that's really what I focus on a lot of times with people is like getting those things set up so that you can actually measure the value of your podcast, which is like you set this up not just to build an audience, but to probably sell a product or service or whatever that is. And so that's actually what you want to measure. It's almost like if you have a million downloads and nobody buys your product, like is that better than you have a hundred downloads and 50 of those people buy your product? Like probably the latter. And so I think like having clarity on what actually you're trying to do with the show is the first step to actually making sense of any of the data. And then you can also be specific about what data you're actually trying to collect and how. So uh, I would focus on that. And then even just like talking with listeners, I think that that's a huge thing. Um, And even with surveys looking at more long form responses of like things like, why do you keep coming back to this show versus other shows? And if you have like people who you know, like it's their absolute favorite show, like why is that? And a lot of times that's not an obvious thing to you as the creator. A lot of times it's something that you actually might take for granted, and people will feed you stuff back that you might have been like, I'm thinking about axing this section of the show because I don't think people are into it, and you start listening to people and asking them questions, and it's like, oh, this is actually the thing people like most. Like, I need to lean into this and do more of that. And so I think that that's an equally valuable part of of data collection and analytics.
2: I agree. I wanna stick with you for a second on this, and I wanna ask, slumps are tough, right? um, my incredibly famous podcast, Sounds Profitable, gets a, a nice 300 downloads per episode. So thank you, everybody, including my mom who downloads it. Um, how do you break through that plateau? What do you tell somebody who, who is hitting that point probably higher because they're engaging your services or marketing and growth there, but they hit a slump? Like the strategies that they were working, that were organic, that came natural to them. They just like, you know, they hit that right patch on that slip and slide and now the water's dried up and they're stuck with plastic on it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing is to understand that, like, the plateau and the slumps, like, they're just going to happen, like, probably no show is just going to have an unbroken upward trajectory, and so I think, like, when you hit that, it's kind of just like, you have to get your problem-solving hat on and be like, okay, well, let's get, you know, curious about why this might be, and I think there's a lot of reasons that it could be, I think one of the most common ones, especially, like, early on, is I think that you can kind of gain an initial audience with being fairly broad, but you kind of hit a ceiling where it's, it's counterintuitive, where you actually need to get more specific to actually grow it, where you kind of grow into this kind of like general, people come across your show somehow, and then actually to grow further, you need to get more specific with a, a very narrow niche topic within your broader topic, and all of a sudden you become like the go-to show on that. And so it feels like you're aiming narrower for a smaller audience, but actually you become the go-to show for... Everybody who's in that audience, and if that's you know currently you're at a thousand listeners or something like that, but this pool of people where you're aiming really niche for is there's like 50,000 people in that category who are all podcast listeners, and you know it's hard to get that that kind of data. But let's just say, for example, that it is if you're the the go-to show for that topic you're gonna get most of that share of listeners. And so you're actually gonna grow, rather than being a broader show that's kind of watered down, competing with all these other shows that are kind of just generic. And so I think that's that's one thing that a lot of people who, when they face an initial plateau, is that they actually need to niche down further. I think further on at later stages, there's a number of different like, reasons that, or problems that you could run into. And so you know, one of those is that you've kind of just saturated the kind of podcast landscape. So everybody's aware of you who listens to podcast on your topic, and so you need to expand beyond existing podcast listeners. And so that's kind of, again, going back to what Jonas was saying, like maybe looking into creating a newsletter that addresses the same topic for people who are not podcast listeners, and so you can continue to grow your audience that way. Um, but there could be also you know, other areas where you just like, everybody in your niche who's interested in your topic is aware of you, and so then it's time to you know focus on expanding outside of that and adding in new topics and, and things like that. So I think it's there, there's a whole number of reasons for that plateau, and I think it, it takes Getting some curiosity and it's, it's gonna be different depending on what your niche is who your audience is what you've done with your show But I would usually start with like actually going narrower than you you currently are and then as you're gonna You're gonna kind of restart uh, Growth at some point and then you're gonna hit another plateau where you're like okay You kind of own and dominate that market and now it's time to look at okay Maybe we need to now expand outside of that or now we need to look into new channels or maybe we re- do a spin-off show Like maybe this show has reached its capacity and we need to offer something complimentary That's like still under our brand network kind of or even as a creator a lot of creators do uh, end up kind of creating other shows either with other people or with building their own little networks and I think that uh, those are all kind of valid ways to to bust past that plateau Um, but I think going back to something Stephanie said before like one of the biggest reasons for a plateau is because just the show needs to get better and I think at some point like if you're looking to build a show that has 100,000 listeners. Like, look at the shows that have 100,000 listeners and ask, like, honestly, is my show at this level where it deserves 100,000 listeners when I'm competing with all of these, like, A-list shows? And I think for most of us, like, probably not. That's gonna take you know, probably a few years, uh, if not more, to build the skills and to you know, get that, that insight into who your audience is and create you know, better content for them.
2: Noticeably absent from your list is banging your head against the wall doing the same thing. So. And that's just a given. Okay. <laughs> Staff, Branding podcasts are a big deal. I mean, uh, I think when, for all of us, like when we talk about it, branded podcasts, uh, growing them can be tough, right? Depending on how visible the brand is or how light of a touch um, and then understanding what their goals are for it, right? So how do we determine that return on investment, right? How do, we, how do we grow it appropriately? How do we understand what their needs are and how do we give the brand what they need out of it?
3: Yeah, it's such a good question. I think it's really subjective to who the brand is, right? And I think the most important thing is when you're working with a brand or if you are a brand, first of all, determine what your outcomes are for the podcast. Like make statements, be like, my podcast is going to do X, and then figure out, okay, like if my podcast is gonna do X, think about it kind of like a tree, and then the outcome is at the top what is gonna be underneath that's going to build up to that particular outcome, right? Because then if you have that outcome up here, then you can create the key metrics that are going to add up and prove that maybe this outcome is particularly working. You can build the content around that. I think for, you know, B2B podcasts, it's pretty obvious. It could be lead generation for B2C, it could be awareness, right? And so awareness would be like number of downloads and B2B would be the amount of leads that come in that say that they listen to your podcast or perhaps, you know, you're able to invite a lead onto the podcast and get, you know, 40 minutes of FaceTime with them, right? Like that's also a really interesting strategy as well. Um, But I also think something that tends to be overlooked specifically for B2C brands is like the concept of values and shared values around listeners and um, hosts specifically because hosts and listeners as we know, like you build a relationship with them, right? And so if you're a brand and you can show that you have shared values with your listeners and you can grow that, then that becomes really interesting from an ROI perspective. So for example, like Allbirds, I'll give this example. I am obsessed with Allbirds. I love them. What's and your the- promo code? Hmm?
2: What's your promo code? To give it to the audience so they can get a discount.
3: Oh God! <laughs> I wish I had an Allbirds code. <laughs> um, but I love them because they're a sustainable brand, right? They share my values because I'm really passionate about climate change. Anyways, so. Because if Allbirds produced a podcast that talked about sustainability and it talked about climate change, then I'd be like, ah, Allbirds, like, I relate to that and so likely I'm going to go to Allbirds over Nike, over Adidas. That is like a tangible ROI metric for Allbirds that I'm getting from my podcast that might not be directly related to downloads or listening or consumption, but it is in the sense of, I believe that I have a shared value with this brand because I listen to this content, right? So I think that's something as well that people need to think about.
2: Well, I mean, so much of Advertising and podcasting is direct response right this ad use this promo code by this thing here branded podcasts to me have always felt like the first step towards branding and yeah. Podcasting which as we do that as we get a larger as an audience or larger as an industry We're going to see more advertisers enter the space being comfortable with branded podcast which is licensing which is effectively like single advertiser sponsorship of a show, or they're going to do that. They're gonna do more brand advertising where they're not as worried, necessarily, about the direct return. It's the association that matters. That when you think about sustainability, you think about Auburn's. And yeah, I mean, that's that's killer. And that's the big part there, really, is get that ROI planned day one, right? Before you build exactly. that podcast for that client, get that written down sign, make sure it's clear how you're gonna track it and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, we wanna open up for questions, but I do have, one last question to all of you. And is it okay if your podcast hits a plateau and that's it? Like, I feel like everybody here, everything that we're doing, sometimes it's just like a race, do another thing, another show, another channel, another attempt, but sometimes it's doing good. Sometimes you're making great money and, and sometimes that you could take all of that profit and burn it all away trying to, you know, catch lightning twice. So is it okay? I think you answered your own question, there, right? And I, think well, I, w- I want other people to hear from I, You want other people
4: to confirm that you are right. Yeah, no, yeah, I, that's, that's, I, think I should this, have said no. right with a question mark at the end of it. <laughs> that's right. You, you know, this, is, this will be a whole other panel, or a whole other conference, but we have, of course, because of the system that we're in, this is always, everything needs to grow, 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 right? This yeah. is what capitalism is built on, grow, grow, grow all the time. And that might not be always healthy, right? I think we've, in certain parts, it's not very healthy. And it's the same in podcasting as well. Absolutely. If you had a point where maybe you make you, an advertising-supported podcast, so you make enough money, or your brand, and you feel like you, you're reaching the people that you need to reach, and you're selling more shoes, or you, you know, what, you do the thing you want to do, to then to just say, like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. I'm going to sustain this. Or maybe instead of looking at growing the, the audience, I'm growing the engagement with the existing audience so there's other ways you can you can grow right so this is just me sort of repeating what you just said and saying like absolutely at some point maybe you good
3: yeah, I totally agree with that. I think, absolutely, you can hit a plateau and still be happy. I think, you know, our society trains us to want more and more and more and more and that's not healthy because you get stuck in a hamster wheel and then you keep thinking that you need this thing, right? And I think ultimately it's about the message that you're trying to spread and the impact that you're trying to make, right? And if you're making impact with 300 downloads an episode, then that's awesome. That's exactly what you need, right? And I also think it's about kind of thinking, it's easy to look at downloads and say, oh, 300 downloads isn't that much, right? But it is. If you think about it, like think about three hundred people in a room, that's a lot of people, right? And that is impact that you're making every single episode. So I feel like people also need to consider, like, don't look at it necessarily as scale. Like, think about it in terms of actual human connection, right? Like, people are not numbers. So maybe consider that as well.
0: Yeah, and I, I think like it's worth understanding from the get-go that like every show has a cap that like it cannot grow beyond that. And obviously they. On the, the extreme examples, like everybody on Earth could listen to a show, and there, you could never get any more growth than that. Then you break it down into you know regions and languages and all this kind of stuff, interests, and so like every show has a cap. And if you are in a super niche topic that there's like a hundred other people in the world who are into that, and you get all hundred of those listening to your show, like you're just not going to get any more until new people come into that topic. And I think that's being having that awareness of like how what's the potential of your show, and then kind of you know bringing down your expectations to a point where you know, you're like, okay, well, I'm never gonna have 100,000, you know, a month download show. Maybe my cap is, like, 500 people, and, you know, when I get even 300 people, it's like, wow, I've got, like, the majority of those people who might listen to my show are actually listening to the show. Like, that's a pretty cool accomplishment. Um, But the other thing for me, I think, is focusing way more on the process than the outcomes, and this is something that I don't quite understand sometimes, that, like, we always, like, we do it all to ourselves as creators, where we get focused on growth and, I think a lot of times I've th- uh, experienced this myself, and I know a lot of people I talk to. There's this almost this idea of like, there's going to be this end, this other side of like when we've achieved the thing, and like I, I don't know, we retire then, or I-, I don't know what we we think we're going to do. But like, I think about uh, I'm like way more of a writer than a podcaster at this point. But I think about like if I didn't have to work, I would just want to keep writing my two newsletters like I do. And so it's kind of like well then what am I racing towards? What's that end goal? It's like, no, I just wanna make a process that I enjoy, and however many people engage with that, like, I don't really care, because like, I enjoy the process of doing it. And I think, thinking about that, and actually intentionally constructing your show in a way that supports that, is actually gonna make the whole process more enjoyable, and actually probably will lead to more growth in the long term, because you're not getting burned out on it. It's something that's actually energizing, and you actually wanna grow it, and you wanna put the effort into those marketing things, because you are, like, you you want more people to experience this great thing you're creating.
2: Yeah, well, I was, Thank you all for those great answers for, for the whole panel and everything, and the reason why I want to close on off on it is that there are plenty of lucrative inter- industries out there that you can go work less hours, make great money, call it a day, but I think we're all here at Podcast Movement because we're passionate about the industry and it's really good to remember that. So if anybody has any questions, raise your hand. Thanks. Um,
4: I'm wondering what your thoughts are on doing paid promotions on the apps, if it's worth it. And if so, are there certain types of promotions, uh, partnerships with you know, CastBox, Apple, Spotify, what have you, that we should look for? Uh, are there certain types of promotions that are better than others? Um, so let's talk about sort of paid promotion in general, p- paying money to grow your audience. That's a thing. It's a thing that works. 100%. So overall, it is something that, that works that you can do. You can do it in a sustainable way. You can spend money to get real listeners that fall in love with your show. But it's quite expensive. And compared to other sort of tactics that are out there, we would probably put paid more towards the bottom of the recommendations just because of the, the cost involved. Now, some of the clients that we work with, God, help hope they're not listening, they just seem to have a lot of money and they're okay with that you know, that is fine to like pay a certain amount of money per new listener and that's good for them, that works for them. Um, for many other people, we, uh, we wouldn't recommend it. Um, when, when we do um, work on, on paid strategies and paid campaigns, um, there's really only two things that we do. There's sort of the category of promote your podcast on other podcasts. Uh, 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 feed drops or host mentions or mid whatever it might be, um, uh, that works. And then what you mentioned, like any sort of display ads and some of the, um, I don't want to endorse one over the other, but there's a number of, uh, of apps that allow you to buy display ads, and they, they they indeed can work quite well. I realize I'm not giving you like a specific answer here right now because maybe it is more of a one-on-one thing. Um, it, it can work quite well, but only pay spend money if you really think you cannot reach those people any other way. That is sort of almost like, like to think of last resort sort of like we tried all these other things but we think there's still like this group of people that we really want to reach we really want them to listen to our podcast then maybe think about spending some money but don't go there first that
2: would be my recommendation one thing i want to add also is that people are those apps like are your listeners there already what percent of your downloads are on those apps when people show me those plans and they talk about it and they want to spend on Castbox, box i say well are people listening on Castbox already and if they're not if it's not that big like I don't know, you should really be focusing on where they already are and growing that until that peaks out. But if, if, it's, if people on CastBox, if people on the smaller Overcast, any, all these other ones, aren't listening to your podcast, an ad might not change that. They might be using it for a specific way. So make sure that you're a good user of those platforms too and you understand what's different, why that person isn't using Spotify or Apple or YouTube or anything.
3: Yeah, and on that point as well, I would say specifically when it comes to in-app advertisements, make sure that you're spending money not just on an initial spike and that listeners are actually coming back after that initial spike because I know we've spent money on campaigns before where it looks like it's doing really, really well and there's this huge spike in listeners for the episode you promoted. It's like, yay! And then the next episode comes around and 50% of those downloads are no longer there, right? How generous. And that's not sustainable. Yeah.
2: 50 is generous or some of those tests I've seen. (laughs) We're coming up sadly on time, but what I could say is that all of us can hang around for a few minutes afterwards on the floor and we'd love to continue the conversation with you. So those of you who raised your hand, please come on up and we'll just, we can talk over here and anybody else who wants to continue it. But thank you so much. Can we give it a round of applause to the panel?